Welcome to the Strawberry Jam Sessions, brought to you by Victorian Strawberries. I'm your host, Simone Austin, accredited practicing dietitian and lover of all things strawberry. Each episode will bring you a punnet full of goodness to help you make the most of Victorian strawberries. So let's get to it. And today, I've got a very special guest with me, someone that I've admired for a long time, and it's Alice Zavlaski. Alice, welcome to our Victorian Strawberries Jam Sessions. Thank you for having me, Simone Austin. I am so pleased. I particularly am pleased by all the strawberry puns, the punnet of puns that you just <laughs> smashed out there. What a delight. <laughs> and just before I start to get you to share your pearls of wisdom, I'm going to just do a very short bio to um, let our audience know a little bit more about you. So Alice, I call you Alice in Frames, is an author, chef, teacher and food literacy advocate. She's the culinary correspondent for the ABC, founder and creator of Phenomenon, creator of the family-friendly podcast Nomcast, a television host, a food judge and former MasterChef contestant. And I'm sure there's a lot more to add to that, Alice, but <laughs> it might take up our 30 minutes, so we might <laughs> we might stop at that. But we're really happy for you to be here to share some of your stories and your food wisdom. And one of the first things I'd like to know is just a little bit about how did your food journey begin? I um, My food journey began in utero. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a long line of foodies. So my family is from uh, Georgia in the former Soviet Union, and it's a place that's very abundant in fresh produce. Uh, it's not what you would imagine of the Soviet Union in terms of, you know, you imagine empty shelves and sort of greyish food, but actually Georgia being at the crossroads of Asia the Middle East, the Mediterranean and Europe and Russia, you know, we were like, we're on the spice trail. So our food is full of flavour, full of freshness. And I was just destined to love flavours and pairings and eating and cooking, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. And, you know, when you've got it in the family, I mm. think that is, it's about it, isn't it? Food really um, becomes that whole just part of your everyday life That's in your, who you are. Yeah. And one of the things I, I was hearing about you on another podcast that I was listening to is about your times as a school teacher mm. and how you used school teaching and food together. And I wondered if you could tell us a few of the things about that and how parents at home can even get their kids to learn about food. I uh, taught, was very fortunate to teach for three years before my pivot into teaching on a broader scale. And I was always, you know, I didn't teach food food science or home economics. I was teaching English, history, geography, but I was always finding ways to incorporate food. So one class that I taught that was particularly special to me was my classics elective. And that was for the really conchy, really kind of intellectually um, gifted kids in year eight. And because we were learning about Greek and Roman myth, I thought what a perfect opportunity to introduce them to Greco-Roman food. So we went to, uh, you know, Melbourne, we went to stalactites in the city and oh, had fantastic. a feast of, uh, of Greek food. And it was just such a sublime opportunity and experience for the kids and something really memorable. You know, now they're in their 20s and they still get in touch with me and tell me that they still remember it so fondly. And that, that's the thing about school and that's the thing about childhood too, I think, because food is so multisensory um, and so evocative 
perspective, for, for better or worse, we have a real responsibility as parents and caregivers to make sure that that experience is as positive as possible and to support kids to have a really positive um, kind of entry into food. And what a great way to learn. Like mm. classes could be so boring, but everyone eats and That's we all it. have some experience with food. So it it does connect us. And I know I've got two young children and I know you've got a child as well. And it's about introducing food at a young age. And I can remember getting my son at like four to cut up mushrooms and things to put on the homemade pizzas or to wash the strawberries and my daughter being a girl wanting to make the food platter look beautiful and not just throw it all on or and so what sort of things other things do you maybe have at home that kids can do particularly around probably vegetables and enjoying vegetables every um, food preparation time is an opportunity to involve hazel she's two and a half and we've been doing that since forever, um, I guess because we are around food all the time. Um, I say we, my, my husband and I work together. So Phenomenon, which you mentioned earlier on, he um, is the project manager. So he's very much in his background, he's a health professional by trade. So you know, by oh. profession. So, you know, obviously that's just a, again, I, th- I think it's as kind of, it comes as easily to us as breathing to be able to in- incorporate well-being and, and health into our lives. So for Hazel, it's simple things like we might be peeling carrots and trusting her to peel the carrots and I know it's scary right you said you started (laughs) your son when he was four the earlier you start them with hot and sharp and introducing it you know um teaching them to be responsible obviously we don't leave her alone with the peeler and obviously we're, we're setting her up to win something as simple as if you want to slice cucumbers we slice it in half so it's got a flat surface and she uses a butter knife and the salad yeah. might be a, a smashed cucumber salad instead of a you know fancy you know strawberries actually are a really great food that she likes to chop with her butter knife because they're soft enough to be able to be cut into but they're mm. firm enough to have a little bit of that um, experience yeah. of of texture and and um, of cutting, so totally always it takes longer and there's mess. But the yeah. the earlier you do it, the less you have to worry about it later on. So I'm kind of training up a little sous chef, and Very it, it is it is getting to a point now where she is helpful enough where actually she's saving me time. So I'll slice the cucumber in half, hand it over to her, and then she'll do the rest of the chopping for the salad and I can go on with the next job. So I will guarantee you that at first you'll feel like, um, oh, you know, how do I... Um, you want to you want to jump in and you want to show them how to do it right, but actually in doing so, you are creating an environment where they feel like there's a wrong or a right way to cook, yes. and there isn't. You know, cooking yeah. is cooking is an art more than a craft. In that, art is subjective and it's mm. messy and it's, it's the flying hours. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. So you know, at the moment, it's very Jackson Pollock, but we'll get to a point yeah. where it'll be much more refined. And it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful opportunity every time I just I get so emotional watching her experience food it's just the coolest thing yeah and especially at that age because she's wanting to smell and taste and touch and um and as you said like time-wise but I know when I used to work in private practice and I'd have clients coming I'll be trying to encourage parents to be using more fresh produce Mm. and they talk about time oh but I 
but I need to spend time with the kids. And I said, but this is a perfect <laughs> opportunity. Time. Do spend time with the kids. <laughs> Bring it all together. Yeah. And then you're achieving both at the same time. Yeah. And you don't need fancy tools. You know, uh, there are some really great, actually, child-friendly knives. I know Foost has some really good sort yes. of kid-friendly knives that, that can be used. You know, Kate, Kate created those. Especially yeah, she was our first. Oh, amazing. First um, podcast Yeah, person. great. Yeah, so, the and there are, year. you know, there are learning towers and there are fancy, double wacky things. But honestly, it's about removing every barrier that's stopping you. So if you're yeah. sort of thinking, oh, I'll wait till I've got the right utensils or whatever it is, whatever you have, just start now and, and you know, start small. And a friend was saying when they do strawberries, when the children are a bit younger, rather than even having to remove the green part, just leave that on if you want leave to. Leave it on, yes. Whether you throw it in a smoothie or whether you're having it with a salad or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it's about building up to, and you don't even, the green looks beautiful anyway. Yeah, and, and I, had smelling. A, I had a French friend over and he said his dad always used to eat the green bits, so he just eats the green bits too. I mean, if you think yeah. about it, it's just a herb, right? It's Correct. Like, so yeah. why not? It's just kind yeah. of a little bit herbaceous and fresh and boom, it's gone. But also you can use a straw and get the kids to hull the strawberries by pushing a straw from the tip of the strawberry up towards the green and it pops out, you know, the, the, oh. the middle and hulls the strawberry along with the green. So that's a fun little Fantastic. job for kids that's, you know, blade yeah, free. Yeah, absolutely good fun obviously we, we know that you went on MasterChef. <laughs> now i always think I, I do quite like watching and i love those um the cooking of it but sometimes you know i can't help to have a little bit of dietitian in me <laughs> and I, all food is allowed and all food is healthy mm. but I, I think did you when you were doing it did you have a particular focus that you wanted to or did you just sort of go on it and okay I'll cook whatever I need to cook? I had a particular focus but I threw it in the bin uh, pretty quickly. Uh-huh. I was explicitly told not to do it and it was. At the time I was very um, health focused to the point where you know I was crossfitting, I was paleo, I was like living my best hashtag clean eating life and I came on the show and I was like I'm going to cook that sort of food because I want Australia to come along with me on this healthy eating journey and the judges were like if you keep this up, Australia is going to hate you. And I was just like, oh, my God. Okay, cool. Thank you for that advice. That was very early on. And I think what it also meant is they were kind of saying, it wasn't even that that, that put me off. It was, they didn't say that explicitly, actually. That they, you know, it was much milder what they said. But it was also what they were saying is don't put yourself in a box. Don't yeah. kind of limit yourself to that sort of food because it's exclusory. You know, I wanted to be, uh, the way that I cook now and the way that I think about food is much more inclusive. And yes, I am implicitly talking about people eating more nutritiously, but I'm never talking about it in the context of binary language or, um, you know, the usual kind of narratives that I think really set us in the health promotion space back you know i've been in roundtable discussions with policymakers that are setting you know setting the the agenda for at a, at a top tier level and even at that level we're asking ourselves what is what are we saying you know b2c versus b2b so yes as people in this space we can talk the talk but when it comes to talking directly to uh, our communities that's the c here yeah. We need to take a different tack because that's what's going to actually impact in a positive way on behaviour change, attitudinal change. 
And I think I loved when you said not to go in your box. And I always say to people, <laughs> you don't, this isn't a religion. No. You don't need to label yourself. Oof. You're not one or the other. Food is just food. That's it. And especially when I have young girls come in um, to private practice who are, say, wanting to go vegetarian, I say there's nothing wrong with that, but do you actually need to label it? Because what if one day you want to eat this or you want to eat that? You put yourself into a box and really force yourself to have to do something. Yes. There's no need to. There's no, no rules. No. So allow yourself, choose what you would like to eat, what you feel is best for your body, but you don't need to label it. Don't um, ever. Yeah. yeah. I think that's part of the reason why In Praise of Veg has been such a success is because everybody wants to eat more vegetables, but they don't necessarily yes. see themselves as vegetarian or um, they don't want to feel like they're having less than so this is more like eat more veg rather than like limit yourself in other ways absolutely so, yeah. and that's a perfect language and while we're on to in praise of veg then i think the best way i i tend to find vegetables and with christmas and festive season particularly coming is roasting oh yeah so because because they caramelize so the small amount of sugar in vegetables caramelizes and you put the olive oil and you put some herbs and vegetables that are naturally bitter become much, much sweeter. sweeter totally so what 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 do you love to do and what you know what are some maybe even some festive tips or just ways that you love to cook veg for everyone to love them? Yeah, I absolutely love roasting. I'm so glad that you say that. And the best way to encourage it straight off the bat is to preheat your oven along with your baking dish. And that oh, way, okay. yeah, so what, whether it's a baking tray or a baking, tr um, you know, tin, whatever you're using, leave it in the oven as it heats up so that then as soon as the vegetables hit the tray with their juicy, olive oily gloriousness, they will start to, the Maillard reaction will start straight away yes. and you'll get that caramelised face. So something that's wonderful for the festive season is like a butternut squash, particularly if you've got vegetarians coming, you know, plant-based eaters, halve the butternut squash lengthways, scoop out the minimal seeds, pop some olive oil. If you want to really kind of, you know, accentuate the sweetness, a sprinkle of brown sugar or maple syrup or honey can go on top. And then in that goes face down in this preheated tray for about 40 minutes until it has the lovely glossy, almost like brouillade top and like it is it is a little <laughs> bit desserty and then you've got the Beautiful. sweet scoopy uh creamy flesh and then it's up to you whether you've got like a, a hellenic grain salad that goes with it or if you're just kind of going mm. right it, or mm. if you just serve that so in in praise of veg there's a recipe for that with a macadamia and black olive um kind of what would you call it i wouldn't call it a crumb i'd just call it like a Topper. Topper. Yeah, top <laughs> with all of those things and, yeah. and butter. Uh, so that goes over the top. So you've got that interplay of crunch and saltiness and sweetness. Oh, and It is. It's truly delicious and very Australian, mm. you know, with the macadamias. Yeah, I was about to yeah. say that's perfect for the festive so season. So good, so good. Yeah, and you can yeah. do that. So you can roast that butternut squash in advance and then um, reheat it again. Just oh, pop it perfect. back into a cold oven, turn it, crank it back up. And just until it's, you know, warm to touch and then you can be making. So honestly, Simone, I think people over complicate vegetables and yes, they yeah. under season them. 
So my biggest tip, especially if you are entertaining, is taste your food, particularly your veg. Make sure it's got enough, you know, flaky salt on top. Make sure that you're thinking about texture as well. I was Mm. just watching a little vid um, of Anna Jones, who's another, um, who's an an amazing, um, you know, vegetable lover over in the UK, wonderful books. And she was saying that people forget the difference between home food and restaurant food is texture. So what are you adding to give it the crunch factor? Because humans love the crunch, whether it's a nut, a seed, or you know, even just a fresh garnish of herbs, yes, for the crunch, all about it, you know. Yes, yeah. yes. I did um some beautiful of the fresh strawberries the other day with a little bit of chocolate ice cream and then the crunch on top with some slivered almonds. Look out! And it was very, and I had a little bit of some pavlova I'd made meringue and mm. I just put a little bit on top and everyone's like oh wow this is amazing <laughs> and it was just because as you said yeah. it had the beautiful sweetness and the of the strawberries smoothness of a bit of chocolate ice cream yep. and then the crunch yes. of the the nuts and everything so it wasn't difficult no. it was a great easy dessert yeah but those textures I think are what really bring people to love something aren't they agreed and strawberries don't have to be sweet they can be savory so they're they behave a lot like tomatoes in salads yes true so you could do strawberries with a balsamic glaze or just with a balsamic dressing uh through you know with basil strawberries basil balsamic really fantastic combination so that's another thing that you can be thinking and then for the crunch factor those slivered almonds why not Pop them back on. And what about that? Just when you said the balsamic and the strawberries go together, do you can you tell me? Like people have strawberries and champagne, or you know, there's oh, yeah. a few things that go together. Yep. But what is it, or what are we looking for when we're deciding what? What's going to go with what? How do I know what's going to go with what? Uh, think about it like matching colours. So like putting together a, a, an outfit. Uh, you want complementary and sometimes, so complementary means that they're perhaps in the same family. So things that grow together, go together. Like basil oh. and tomatoes grow really well together. Yes. and so, That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so that's always good. You know, finish that off with a nice lick of um, extra virgin olive oil and you've got all of that, you know, bioavailable goodness going. <laughs> going into yeah. your bod uh, and then something like um, you also want some contrast so if you think about a color wheel sometimes you know people say red and green must never be seen hello what about christmas yeah so, yeah yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. sometimes you want people to go oh that's an interesting mix so it, it could be the strawberries and, and basil instead and you go oh that's unusual or it could be hot and cold so some desserts you know where they're adding a granita to a warm dessert or whatever or you know the, the crunch of a yeah. granita with the creaminess of a panna cotta or whatever that's very master chefy and uh, you know you don't have to do that honestly but it's a bit of chili and dark chocolate that's sort it. of goes is that a chili bit about and that dark cotton, chocolate yeah or sea salt and dark chocolate but also go together grow together go together because chilies and dark chocolate they're both south american things right and so it's ah, no yes. surprise that the two things would go together too ah yeah that's where you grow together and, yeah and even the strawberries basil as you said tomatoes strawberries basil are all growing in around that same time that's right and mint mint with strawberries oh yeah does that go yeah of course of course yes because you've got the coolness and and both basil and mint have that element of like the menthol kind of vibe, the little menthol and anise. If you broke them down to their kind of aromatic properties, both of those are of that family and they're cooling herbs. So it makes perfect sense then that on the flippo you'd have a, an acid like tomato or strawberry going with that as well. Yes, it is really science, isn't it? And it makes me think of Heston (laughs) Blumenfield and his, you know, and and all that together. And 
really there could be some more food in science at school too really couldn't there there should be there should Mm. be more food in science yeah I would have been way more interested if there was more food in my science classes (laughs) and it was funny my son who's now 22 and he was cooking just before and he was looking up he was making a pecan cake and he's just finished his university degree so he's got a bit of time on his hands he likes to cook and I said are you finding this relaxing and he said I am Mm. but I can also say as I get better at cooking it's more fun but he also was looking for the longer pictures that also mum when I'm working if I'm better at it I can make a better dish in a quicker time because I'm just improving my skills and he loves to cook what a ledge <laughs> yeah what a ledge I love it what star sign is he that is like July July what's good. that cancer cancer yeah that's very cancerian behavior <laughs> isn't it it's just like yeah forward forward planning I love it uh, and he's so right flying hours <laughs> yeah but he had stuff all over the kitchen I'm like well you do make it get messy because there yeah, that's mum because you always look for something that's one bowl and can be done in a yeah. fairly quick period of time as much as I love to cook he was very much doing it as as his enjoyment and has his release and that's a good thing about cooking too isn't it you can do it when you've got a bit more time you can do something more adventurous And when you Mm -hmm. don't, if you've got, like you said, those chopping skills and cooking skills that you've done when you were young, you can whip up something more simple fairly quickly and still be tasty. That's it. And it's all about, um, you know, you've got your little arsenal of your 10. Most people, when they're pretty adept, 10 dishes is a, it's a lot. You know, you can think and you can just round, especially midweek, you can just My you know, cycle yeah. through those. Yeah. That's it. And then for weekends, that's kind of more for projects where you can kind of relax and do um, do more with, say, a glut of something where you can, you know, let's say mangoes are in season. So you chop up a whole bunch of mangoes and freeze them for later and blitz up for really simple one ingredient mango sorbet. Yum. Yeah, um, same with bananas, know, some, strawberries, any berries. Oh, um, easy. Fruits, yeah. yeah, do the same. Blitz them up. Absolutely. Oh, it's been very, very interesting. I like, I love listening to all of that, but we won't keep you all day. But um, <laughs> the last thing with the festive season coming up, I like to think of some different presents. You don't always just want, you know, that one box of chocolates that someone, you know, grabbed at the supermarket. I like to think things nice, balsamic vinegars, extra virgin olive oils, fresh nuts, your books in praise of veg and actually your book goes quite well with my book I'm thinking um Alice because I my book is eat like an athlete and so I'm Ah. always was trying to get my Hawthorne football players to eat more vegetables always athletes are the same as everyone else not enough veg so if you eat like an athlete for anyone praise of veg perfect pair for Christmas gifts (laughs) (laughs) what what a go together grow together Uh, moment (laughs) what what other have you just got a couple of other things that uh, um, that you might think are good gifts for people to give for Chrissy around food or cooking? Mm, gift and experience um, at a cooking school. So there are some really excellent cooking schools by sort of small businesses and and really excellent um, cre- you know artisans that you could that you could Great. gift from you know Tony Tan in Trentham, Walter Trupp in Paran, um, Sandra La Cucina de Sandra in Richmond. These are all Victorian oh, places. Great. But wherever you are, you know, look it up and hook it up because I just think sometimes. We don't book things for ourselves, but if somebody else does it for us, then it's sort of like, oh, you know, something to look forward to. And it's teach a man to fish, you know, (laughs) teach a man to fillet a fish and he'll think of you every time he does it. 
So that's yeah, you know, the best kind of that's gifts. That's a great. <laughs> And that's a lovely idea. It doesn't create any dust, collect yes. any dust, um, and you can do it with a friend. I think that that's beautiful. That's it. And my last thing, question to finish is, what is your favourite way with Victorian strawberries, Alice? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I have to say, and I'm so grateful to you for sending some over, we're almost through all of the strawberries and it's because... That was a tray. It was a tray. So I'll <laughs> tell you how I use them. Mostly I just cut them in half just because it makes it so easy, to, especially with the two-and-a-half-year-old, yes. and serve them up as dessert. Um, or, you know, we had some this morning in the sun, delightful. I also gifted some punnets. They make amazing. We had guests come over. We had the strawberries um, as a treat. And then at the end I said, you know, here's, here's – I love bringing fresh produce to people as presents. So, again – Great you know, idea. And, um, and again, some, some went to my parents – um, I will, we did some chopping practice with Hazy with a few, with, with one of the punnets, you know, a little bit of butter, butter knife chopping. And where I think we've got about four left. So I know that's, wow, you've done it's probably well. a, yeah. And <laughs> it's probably a record. Um, but we do, we love our fruit and I come from a, you know, not only do I come from a long line of foodies, but I, I come from a family where if we see something's in season and there's a glut of, of something for sale for, for cheap, we will absolutely take full advantage of it and make full use of it, whether we do package it, you know, freeze it, uh, gift it, or just gorge on it until we're sick. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. That's beautiful. And gifting, what perfect, yeah. Well, Alice, thank you so much for joining us on the Victorian Strawberries podcast. It's been a delight to um, listen to you and then to watch all your next adventures. Do you have any any secrets to share with us of what's coming up next? So many, so many (laughs) secrets. My my frames are full of (laughs) secrets. Um, Coming up next, I just submitted my manuscript for my next book. So you can look out, look forward to that uh, in 2022. Beautiful. and I've got some other, you know, big announcements, um, you know, so watch this space. It's, yeah, it's an exciting time. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much, Alice. Ah. And thanks for joining us at the Strawberry Jam Sessions. If you've enjoyed this very delicious podcast, please let others know by rating us wherever you listen to podcasts. And there's plenty more strawberry goodness where that came from. Simply head to vicstrawberry.com.au. Until next time, I'm your host and strawberry lover, Simone Austin for Victorian Strawberries.